everybody. Welcome to episode 30 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel, and with me, as always, is Collins Mullen. Hey, Collins. Hey, this is episode 30. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Nice <laughs> big round number. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. I actually spent today working on the website, so made some made some oh, progress there. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So we're making moves. Sneak sneak peek for the listeners here. We might have something yeah. coming up soon. I mean, the only the only page that's actually in existence yet is the one with our the profiles of the co-hosts on it. Uh, with well, placeholder that's text. That's really all we need. I mean, that's the most important part. Is they want to hear yeah. about us, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, we are, you know, we are the show. So, you know, yeah. it's our, our sparkling personalities that people are here for. <laughs> cool. Excellent. So our, our sparkling personalities and our uh, opinions on these unbannings, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. The, the second most important thing is uh, you know, our opinions <laughs> on, on the craziness that has occurred. Yeah, I... I was not expecting this. I, I I mean, like, Bloodbraid Elf, I assumed was going to get unbanned relatively soon. Maybe not in this announcement, but certainly, like, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Jace caught me pretty off guard, I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, well, okay, so my, um, my introduction into it all kind of started with me keeping track of a little bit of Reddit drama, I guess you would say, where somebody posted on Reddit... A screen cap of the MTG beta and in the in the past we've learned a little bit about bannings preemptively by they get leaked by the the cards are banned or unbanned in the uh, MTGO beta mm. kind of like a week beforehand like we learned about Splinter Twin that way and like a couple other things so somebody on Reddit posted the screenshot of Jace is unbanned and ensnaring bridges banned oh they posted that and like a bunch of people believed him and i even was like whoa this could be crazy but the the kind of like the the internet sleuths kind of got on their case a little bit and figured out that that was just kind of a hoax right um (laughs) but a byproduct of that is that after that thread went up jace spiked the price of jace spiked Right, right. He went up to, like, like, 90 bucks pre-announcement. Right, like, before the announcement. And that's, I'm pretty sure, due to that kind of, like, somebody was trolling people and and saying, oh, Jace is going to get unbanned, and and, uh, and Staring Bridge is going to get banned. Um, But people (laughs) figured out that that was just crazy and not going to happen. And the the whole Reddit thread was a hoax. So that was kind of like a little bit of a rollercoaster ride that I experienced before Monday... But, you know, lo and behold, Monday rolls around, and Jace is unbanned, but it's not um, the Staring Bridge that gets banned, it's Bloodbraid Elf that gets unbanned. Yeah, so yeah, kind of, you know, the old traditional enemies, like like longtime foes, Bloodbraid Elf and Jace the Mind Sculptor. So, I mean, it's kind of fitting that they get unbanned at the same time, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's, it's pretty clear... That Bloodbraid is a safe unban, I think. Jace is a lot yeah, more complicated. Yeah, yeah. Bloodbraid, Bloodbraid, not... Yeah, not, not strong enough, I don't think, for modern. Jace, on the other hand, we'll see. Yeah, that's a little more complicated of a question. Yeah. I mean, I, I just to get the Bloodbraid stuff out of the way from the, you know, in the first couple of minutes of the episode so we can just talk about uh, <laughs> the insanity that is Jace for the rest, um, I, I doubt that Bloodbraid will see, like, no play, 
Like it's certainly a decent card, and it's 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 a relatively strong payoff for a mid range deck that gets to four mana. But like the way that these mid range decks are built, most of your deck costs one mana, and your cards are very powerful situational spells like Fatal Push and Inquisition of Kozilek and stuff. Uh, and so like the kinds of cards that you're incentivized to run by the format are not the kinds of cards that you want to cascade into. Like, even Coligan's Command is the card that everybody's like, yeah, we're going to play Jund and we're going to cascade into Coligan's Command. But, like, if your opponent hasn't set up a board state that's vulnerable to it, it's still not that good. So... Yeah. Coligan's Command is definitely one of those cards that you need to pick your spot for, right? Right. So, yeah, YOLOing into it at a certain point of the game can, you know... Sometimes, sure, it's great. You Like, you, your opponent discards their last card, and you pick up your other Bloodbraid Elfist in your graveyard, and you feel on top of the world. But other times, it's just going to be like, all right, you know, your opponent has six cards in hand, and they discard one, and then you shock them. <laughs> like, <so>. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and they, they yeah. like, path to your goif so you don't have a guy to return or something right, like that. Right, right, and, right. So, yeah, not... Hard for me to get super hype about blood raid if you could like tell me that you know your blood raids have a 50 percent chance to cascade into one or the other liliana then then we'd be talking then then yeah. we'd have something but right. i mean that's just not the world we live in but I, I also think that that's kind of a trap that a lot of people are going to run into uh i think a big mistake that a lot of deck builders are going to make are they're like all right we're playing blood raid elf let's jam a bunch of threes in our deck because we really want to hit threes off of our blood raid elf but then right. you're playing this modern deck that's got a bunch of threes and fours in it, and you just kind of like have forgotten about the format that you're you're trying to play in. Like you yeah, really exactly. really need your curve to be very low, and a lot of one mana interactive spells and two mana threats and stuff like that. Like that's what modern is these days. So if you're if you're curving up your deck to playing a bunch of three drops to make your blood brain better, then your deck's just going to be worse, and you're not going to be able to survive in modern. So. Yeah, that's mostly my analysis of it. I, I'm i sure it'll see some play, but, you know, like, this isn't encouraging me to play Jund over a Lingering Souls deck right now, really. I mean, maybe you Bloodbraid into Lingering Souls. I know that's, like, a thing that was happening at the tail <laughs> yeah. end of, of Bloodbraid being legal uh, yeah. previously in Modern, but... All uh, the value. Yeah, so much value. But yeah, I, I'm just not not too pumped about Bloodbraid. I, I don't really care that much. Yeah, Jace. On the other hand, uh... <laughs> yeah, Jace is um, Jace is. You know, people know that Jace is the most powerful planeswalker that they've ever printed. It was one of the first planeswalkers that they printed, and it was kind of like before they figured out exactly how to balance the cards. So, or it was the first like what planeswalker with four abilities or something like that. Uh, yeah, um, definitely the first planeswalker with four abilities. Yeah. And, and and the first he was the first of a lot of things he was the first uh like hundred dollar standard card yeah yeah he was the first mythic rare that had like 28 copies 28 plus copies in a GP top eight like all, all these ridiculous things like card was everywhere card is incredibly powerful it's a four drop that sees legacy play not that that stat necessarily makes it like too powerful for modern legacy is a super different format and jace plus days and force of will is very different than jace plus remand or whatever but as far as like cards you can unban go uh jace is definitely a very scary one with with a lot of potential implications for the format 
So, so I think we'll talk about that in a minute, but for now, uh, do we want to just talk about sort of like our impressions of whether this unbanning is a good decision or not? And then we'll get more into that once we talk about what we think it'll do to the format and if that's a good thing. But for right now, just sort of the, the gut level response maybe might be a good place to start. Yeah, so my initial kind of like gut reactions were I didn't understand why they would change anything, you know, let alone unbanning something like Jace. Just like everybody after the Pro Tour was praising Modern as a really good, really diverse format that seemed pretty healthy and, you know, sure, Lantern won the Pro Tour, but it, you know, it didn't put any copies in the top eight of the next Grand Prix. And, like, over the course of, like, how many different archetypes did we have in the top eight of both the Pro Tour and the Grand Prix? It was, like, 13 or something? Yeah. Maybe even more than that? Like, I... 10 out of 10 decks, like, like there were 10 undefeated decks after day one of the GP. Uh, yeah. They were all different. Uh, so, so yeah. just like based on you know this sure it's a small sample size but like the snapchat that we've seen lately of modern is it's it's very diverse and i think that that's what people like about modern um yep. that's also what people don't like about modern to be fair but but that is modern like take away the diversity and yeah people were enjoying it for sure so just the fact that they decided to make a change kind of like after it felt like that sentiment was coming down seemed very strange to me but in terms of what they do and like the the bannings themselves i've always kind of had this philosophy about bannings and unbannings and stuff like that is that honestly for me i don't really care too much i'm not super heavily invested in one particular deck i you know it's not like my pet deck is getting ranched or anything i'm willing to play kind of whatever I think is good in a format. You know, I definitely championed humans for a long time, but it's just because I thought that humans was great for a long time. But I'm not, I'm not, you know, afraid to uh, look at a format. I try to identify what I believe is to be the best angle to attack that format from, and and you know, use use my deck selection skills and all that stuff to try to gain an edge in a format. And that it kind of like way of me enjoying Magic is never going to change based on what's legal or illegal in certain formats because you know i just can kind of look at everything like a particular puzzle and okay now we've got some new pieces to the puzzle and it's changing and we have less information because you know we don't really know how it's going to affect things let's start here and let's try to figure it out right so i can yeah. still do that no matter what the format looks like you know they could root they could say no bands anymore everything's unbanned and I'd still enjoy magic because I, you know, I'd be able to look at this new landscape and try to, try to see what I could do from it. You know, I think that's kind of the that like pure fundamental like spike perspective. Um, yes, and yeah. I, I think that's that's absolutely totally legitimate way to look at it. And I think it's the way that 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 you know you should try to look at it if the most important thing to you is being good at magic and you know treating it like a puzzle and trying to solve what you can and, and i i think that's that's a totally healthy way to look at bannings and unbannings and that sort of thing yeah. but i i recognize that i'm uh i'm probably in the minority of people who look at formats that way because a lot of other people care about the diversity of a format or mm -hmm. you know the playability of their deck that they enjoy playing or this other stuff. So I, I recognize that there are a bunch of other factors that are going to be in play for other people that aren't is in play for me. So 
um, I can definitely, you know, I understand that people are looking at it from a different perspective and and people are, are going to be either happy or sad about the changes that this is going to bring to modern. Because it will bring changes to modern. I think that the Jace inherently is powerful enough that it will change the format metagame in a non-zero way. Right. I mean, if it doesn't, then this unban was a, a terrible thing to do as well, I think. So, yeah, I... And I, I'm trying to, like, put things into words a little bit. I mean, the I, I think the most important thing here is, you know, like you said, how well Modern was doing. You know, I, I, I made a video about this and talked about this, and sort of the, the analogy that I used is when you're playing from ahead, you don't need to take unnecessary risks. And I, I feel like that's kind of what happened here. Like, Modern is super healthy. Modern tournaments get way more people playing in them than any other format. Uh, the PT peaked at 46,000 viewers, and the Pro Tour before that peaked at 30,000. So that's like a 50% increase based on format. So, I, I, you know, like Modern was doing great, and this change, I think, is a, a little hard to explain if you're only looking at it from the context of trying to create a healthy format. And I also have a, a lot of trouble figuring out, like, what's the specific thing they were trying to accomplish with this unban. Because blue decks, we're seeing a lot of play already. Lots of different forms. Like, I don't love, you know, Jeskai or blue-white control, but people still play those. And then plenty of, like, weird thing in the ice decks or madcap experiment decks or that sort of thing. Like, it's not like nobody was playing Cryptic Command. So I, I'm not sure what's being solved here. Uh, and it's also not like there are no interactive decks in the format either. Like, there's there's plenty of Jund decks and removal-based decks, uh, decks that aren't just trying to kill you as, as quickly as possible. Um, and I don't know that Jace is necessary for incentivizing people to not play linear decks. So it's hard to tell what the goal here is besides saying, here's a marquee card that you can now play in Modern, which may be the goal and that may be a good enough goal. But as far as like format health is concerned, this just, you know, whether it works out or not, this kind of seems like an unnecessary risk to me. Yeah, definitely kind of like taking the the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and, and ignoring that. <laughs> yeah, just um, not not taking that right. saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just yeah, just completely ignoring that, you know, that that might be a sentiment that a lot of people have. The other thing that we should probably mention is that Jace is expected to be printed again in uh, the, what is it called? The Masters 25? Yeah, they gotta Do change this naming convention, I think. I, I It is very yeah. confusing how these sets are named, and if you're not an invested player, like, what right. the heck does Masters 25 mean to you? <laughs> right. I don't even know if that's what it is. Um, I just know it has something to do with the number 25. But, uh, yeah, some people are speculating, did they unban Jace because they wanted to sell more of this product? Or, you know, on the flip side of things, did they anticipate people saying oh, well, now you've just unbanned this card that's going to be $100 and we can't get access to it. And then they made sure to print it in something that's coming out recently so that there is that availability. Right, I think that right. those are kind of like two ways that you could look at it. And pessimistic Magic players are going to, you know, take the side that they want to complain about most. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty lousy to unban it and not have a reprint. Like, that would be complain-worthy. Yes. Um, because if right. this card is good, like... 
all the good World Wake and Zendikar cards are expensive anyways, and if this card is as good as it could possibly be, uh, it would not be obtainable. Even though Jace is, honestly, Jace has been printed quite a few times, it feels like. Yeah, I guess that's um, true. But yeah, so, you know, who knows whether or not the incentive came from the fact that they wanted to sell more product, or if they put it in that product because they anticipated it being unbanned and they wanted it to be more available... I think that those are kind of like two perspectives that you can take and we can only ever speculate on right you know what might be the case there it's probably a little from column a a little from column b like none of these decisions are made in a vacuum yeah yeah but it definitely you know feels at least a little bit like you know if you can't quite justify this from a format perspective then probably the marketing perspective was part of the reason behind it and like i'm not like I want wizards to make a ton of money. Like I want I want magic to be incredibly successful and, you know, like overshadow League of Legends as the esport of choice <laughs> and and all that. Oh yeah, for sure. So so I would love it if, you know, they just made a ton of money selling magic cards. I'm not against that. And if they, you know, have to do some some kind of weird things, then maybe it's worth it. But it you know, just from a purely like we got a good format, what are you doing to our format? based perspective uh this one you know is a little bit i I don't love it i I don't love this decision overall i think that the fear that a lot of people are having is that the existence of jace is going to push out a lot of mid-range decks or if you are going to be playing any sort of grindy trade resources game you have to have jace in your deck which is not exactly where you want the format to be no, it's not. And and I guess now we are kind of getting to a point where, you know, we're starting to lean towards the format predictions and stuff. So so do we want to just go ahead and say what yeah, we I mean, think unless you have any this other, is going to do? Unless you have any other, you know, opinions that you want to share about it. But. No, I think I think any of those opinions will like naturally follow after we start talking about what the the format developments are likely to be. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, right, I think that the right, the, the biggest fear that people voice is that you know, Jace is going to push out the mid-range decks, and how is that going to impact what modern looks like? Is is modern now just going to be a bunch of control decks with Jace and blitzy combo aggro decks? You know, is that you know is that just like what the the future of modern looks like? And then the decks that the mid-range was preying on, like the 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 blitzy zooey type aggro decks that are going to be able to get under the Jace decks pretty well. You know, are, are they now going to thrive more? What do you uh, what do you think? So, so here's here's what I foresee. I think first of all, it's going to be really difficult to justify playing any blue decks that are not Jace decks. I I don't see myself trying to win the game with Madcap Experiment or with Through the Breach or with Young Pyromancer. When instead, I could be uh, playing a deck that wins the game with Jace because Jace has a bunch of other functionalities. Young Pyromancer has other functionalities too. But, like, like Jace just serves so many roles. He's the Swiss Army Knife. He's exactly what you want in this sort of, like, mid-range to control-ish blue deck that, that I think it would take a lot to justify running really any other win condition. That, that may prove not to be true. I may be proven wrong here, but I really think that just every format that I've played with Jace, if you untap with Jace, you feel like you can't lose. You're a huge favorite, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's just so hard to win if you get to the point where you untap, or it's so hard to lose if you get to the point where you untap with Jace. Um, and that's not a feeling that I 
get with the other win conditions that these decks are playing. You know, even like like Platinum Empyrean, like there's a lot of Coligans commands in the format. Right. Uh, through the Breach is hard to set up. Like, like why wouldn't I just play this simple card that costs four mana and wins the game in eight different ways? So I, I think that's kind of the first step that we get to is likely it pushes out most of the other blue decks. Um, and that means that a lot of the blue decks, you know, you can have different Jace decks, but uh, eventually I think that coalesces into some pretty similar things because what you want to go along with Jace is basically you're running Jace and then a bunch of ways to defend Jace. And whatever is the best way to do that, whether it's lingering souls to create blockers or just a bunch of like ousts and other cheap removal to run interference for them, whatever ends up being the best strategy for making sure that your Jaces survive, even against, you know, kind of raunchy matchups like Burn and Humans, um, those are going to be the decks that have the most success with Jace. And I, I think that we probably end up with a play in a place where, you know, people running islands are kind of forced into this kind of narrow band of decks with Jace and tools to protect Jace. You know, I no guarantee that this is what happens, but because of my experience with playing Jace in different formats, I, I really think that this is very likely to be where we go. And then you you have a format with just these Jace decks that are pretty similar looking, and probably the ways to beat them are, are like you said, either going under them or going over them really hard. Going over them is actually pretty tough. Like, even the Tron decks, like right now, the blue decks have access to Spreading Seas and Field of Ruin, and then if you get down a Jace, uh, you usually can manage to get yourself enough counter magic that the Tron decks aren't going to be able to bust through. So, I, you know, if I'm looking at a Field of Jace decks, then I am not super excited to go over the top. Uh, I'm definitely not trying to play a Thoughtseize deck. Uh, and then that, that does leave me with some pretty linear aggro, you know, low-to-the-ground com- aggro or combo deck, basically. And, and that's certainly the fear that that a lot of people have and i don't think that that is too unlikely of a proposition to happen um i, I think jace is just a, an incredibly powerful card and yeah like 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 tapping four mana during your main phase especially for a planeswalker a permanent that creatures can attack and kill like that's not the most powerful thing in in every single matchup it's certainly vulnerable to decks like burn and humans but the the analyses that i've heard and read I think a lot of people are picturing, like, casting Jace on turn four. And, yeah, that's not great all the time. But you don't have to cast Jace on turn four. Like, if you just are trading removal spells for their stuff, and then eventually on turn six or seven you cast Jace and leave up mana, like, that's really good, too. Right, yeah. And and probably a more realistic snapshot of what the games are going to play out as. And then you run into all the other problems with Jace, which is that, like, losing to Jace is, is really not a fun game. You know, if you thought losing to Lantern was not fun, uh, losing to Jace is, like, kind of worse, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, or you can just kind of default to your opponent has, like, two or three cards in hand, and they've got a Jace, and then they start ticking up on your library, and you, you have nothing. You can just go ahead and concede. 
Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Kind and of you should. As, it's, it's like, you know, the lantern lock. It's like, all right, your opponent has a bridge in play and a lantern and three mill rocks. All right, you you can concede now. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, but it, yeah, you're right. It's definitely a, a feel bad. And, and, you know, like from my perspective, if I want to play uh, an interactive deck in the upcoming format, like I am not at all drawn to Tarmogoyfs right now. Like, that is not interesting to me at all. Like, I want to be running Jace's to... If I'm going to run removal spells, I want to cap that off with Jace, because Jace just goes so much better. And and I really think this is going to have a significant effect on people's ability to play black-green decks or Mardu, which was, like, a really cool deck that was starting to pick up, like, got a couple of top 16 finishes at that last uh, GP, and, uh, I, you know, it may just not... A deck like that, I, I, I honestly think it's not going to have a place in the metagame with Jace around. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. Like, the, the problem is, like, you know, the, the game plan where you're a Jun deck, so you're thought-seizing your opponent, and you're trading resources, and you're stripping their hand of the important things, and then you're both top-decking, and the theory is that your top-decks are better than your opponent's. Right. right. And then your opponent draws a Jace, and you're just going to lose. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not really where you want to be there, I don't think. And I mean, the the saving concept here is whether or not it is, you know, quite impossible to cast a four-mana Planeswalker in Modern. And honestly, I don't think that it's quite as hard as people think that it is, because you're visualizing the decks that exist right now but if a deck is constructed specifically to to protect the king that that makes a huge difference in the playability of a four mana sorcery speed spell if the whole you know it, it's kind of like you're playing a combo deck where the whole combo is resolving jace and then untapping um and if if the way that you get there is by playing bad cards like timely reinforcements but it doesn't matter as long as you draw your jace then that may be the way that these decks need to be built um, and I think that given the giant card pool of modern, if your whole deck construction process is based on making this a spell that you can resolve and untap with, like the cards are there to do that and somebody's going to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've already seen people tinkering around with like a, a more miracles oriented uh, blue white deck, right? Like blue white yeah. has already proven itself to be a very strong archetype. You know, there, a blue white list went nine and one at the Pro Tour. And, you know, putting Jace in that deck, like, they're running uh, Dragonlord Ojitai. So, you know, talk about tapping out for a, a big old thing. Um, <laughs> you know, Jace is, it just doesn't really seem that hard to be in that kind of control shell that's already based on, you know, clearing the board, playing sweepers, all this other stuff. So people have been tinkering around with, you know, some sort of miracles-oriented, like, Terminus, um, Teletime right. kind of deal blue-eye control deck that's uh seems honestly pretty strong with jace as the finisher and you just don't need anything other than jace to win that game you know yeah if you can really make terminus work then maybe you're not even as scared of humans and stuff as you would be otherwise and that's you know i i mean my my theory here my my whole thesis is not based on the idea that jace is going to be the most powerful deck in the format and the only choice possible and there's going to be 28 jaces in the next gp top eight i don't i don't think that's what's going to happen right but i do think that it's going to fundamentally affect the diversity of the format uh and i, I think it's going to 
push out at the very minimum is going to push out other blue decks and it's going to push out you know Thoughtseize, Tarmogoyf, Bedlam Reveler decks. Uh, and right. I, you know, I I would put money down on on that being the result. Um, yeah, maybe we need some red elemental blasts to put in our gen decks. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Jace's defeat, I guess. Um, uh, it's blue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I guess uh, I guess you can always bolt Jace. Um, right. If um, they're not careful or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think that you're yeah. It's it. it you make a good point in that. We're not saying that Jace is going to be the only thing in Modern. We're saying that Jace is going to warp what is allowed to exist in Modern. And Modern will still be diverse to an extent, but... Yeah, um, there's, there's too many powerful cards for right. one good control deck to, to push it all out. Yeah. But We're moving from this, like, all four overarching archetypes, combo, control, mid-range, aggro like have a spot in modern to maybe now only three of those can have a spot in modern which is just mm-hmm. just kind of seems silly right right and and it's hard you know you don't really know what you're classifying these jace decks as like i don't know if they even count as hard control decks because their win condition is four mana and the game actually ends relatively quickly like it's kind of just a mid-range like card advantage deck because the win condition is a mid-range card advantage engine um yeah so but but it like serves the function of playing a powerful control role that goes bigger than the mid-range decks. So yeah, it's just kind of a scary proposition, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we've covered a lot of the things. Although, I, so one thing that we should at least mention is that all that we can really do here is theorycraft what we expect to see. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, Jace has never existed or we haven't seen Jace in, in this modern format. So we're, we're not actually, you know, no, nothing's 100%. It, it is a non-zero chance that, you know, Jace is introduced into the format and the format is still fine. Um, and right. mid-range decks still exist and all this other stuff still exists. So, you know, it might not be the, the as, as crazy as a, as a, you know, change that we think it is, but, um, you know, all we can really do is speculate on what we expect to see. I think that based on what we're, we're expecting to see, we're a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, we certainly can't predict the future here. And, uh, I mean, plenty of players that I respect a lot have looked at this and said, yeah, this is going to be fine. Stop worrying too much. You know, yeah. like I like Shaheen Zarani was talking about how it's really like Jace is going to be good, but it, it's not going to warp the format too much. It's going to be okay. Well, um, she I, might be a little biased. But, yeah, he's um, a little biased. <laughs> I don't know that anybody has wanted to play with Jason Modern as much as Shaheen. I, I was testing with him for the for the Pro Tour, and uh, it was definitely a, com- a topic of conversation that came up very frequently. It's like, uh, well, let's just play <laughs> Jace, and uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it, guys. It'll be fine. Just give me Jace. Yeah, okay, so maybe not the best person to cite possible, <laughs> although I do usually respect his opinion on these sorts of oh, things. Oh, for sure, definitely. He's a smart guy. So, I mean, like, one of my concerns here is kind of uh, that there's kind of a pretty narrow range of, like, good results for this. You know, if uh, if Jace just straight up isn't good enough, that's kind of a disaster. Because there's all this hype around the unban, like, tons of people buying into the card at, like, $140 or whatever it was yesterday. And then, like, if it turns out that it's just bad, then that's kind of a betrayal of you know, the hype and people's excitement for this card being reprinted and that sort of thing. So that's not great. 
Um, if it's really, really good and, you know, pushes, you know, lots of stuff out of the format, that's not good either. So we're really hoping for, like, this narrow band of, like, it's one of the better win conditions for a blue deck, but you could still play, like, some sort of tempo blue deck with Young Pyromancer or some other weird win condition if you really want to. Um, and the the black-green mid-range decks figure out the tools to keep up. You know, maybe Bloodbraid Elf is enough to, to keep up with Jace. In general, though, I don't think having, like, four cards that are good against one of their cards and then the rest of your deck is bad against their entire deck, uh, like, I have a hard time seeing that be the end result here at, as as being good enough. But, yeah, like, we, we can't predict what's going to happen, and it might end up in that, like, narrow band of, okay, this was this was totally fine. So, yeah, fingers crossed for that. Um, although, you know, you, you say that it not being any good is a disaster, and I agree that it would be pretty bad for a lot of players who have invested into it and, you know, bought a playset of chases and then all this other stuff. But, you know, there has always kind of been the complaint of, you know why is this banned? It's not. It's not gonna be good enough to be banned. Um, yeah. So there's kind of like that other argument of like, you know, people dislike it when things are banned but aren't, you know, actually that suppressive or whatever. So is it better than to just like leave it on the ban list so you don't risk some kind of overreaction, or is it better to unban it just to say you're right? It's not too overpowered and it it can exist in this format yeah i don't know because if it really isn't good enough to like even see play then unbanning it effectively does nothing except like risking something bad happening i guess but then again like every time they print a card that does nothing but introduce a card into the format that like could change the format so right right yeah i mean you know bannings and unbannings are always risky to a certain extent for sure and and it's not like like like, I'm definitely down on this, and I, 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 my prediction is that it won't go well. But there's plenty of people that disagree with me. And there's also, you know, I don't want to forget about the people, the, she, the Shaheen Saranis of the world, who are, like, legitimately excited to play with Jace and really want that to be a thing again. And, yeah, like, like leaving them completely out in the cold and just ignoring them and never unbanning Jace no matter what happens is clearly also not the right decision. Right. So... I mean, maybe this is the right time. Like, there was going to be a right time to unban Jace at some point. And, you know, maybe maybe we've hit it. That would be cool. I, I hope this is the right time. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's just, you know, it's always going to be impossible to uh, appease all parties, right? There's always going to be opinions on one side of the fence or the other. So For sure. Uh, there, yeah, yeah, you're right. There are definitely a lot of people who are very excited to have Jace unbanned because they want to play that card. They missed it. They played with it before and loved it and now they can't anymore in modern but you know now it's back and they they get to play with it again and they're very excited so yeah you know you gotta you gotta throw those people bones sometimes i guess so one perspective that i kind of have on this right now that i may not really have once i come back to the states um but like as i've mentioned before like card availability is actually kind of difficult for me because i i don't have my core group of friends who i can just borrow a thousand dollars worth of cards from when right. i need to right and uh what that kind of does is because my my modern collection doesn't really include very many blue cards and that makes me really notice like when i'm thinking of playing a blue deck like how much it costs to play blue in modern right now it's a bit yeah it's it's just 
it's just a lot. It's it's more even, you know, like Abzan used to be like the expensive deck, but but Goyf has come down a reasonable amount and stuff. And now between uh, like Scalding Tarns and Celestial Colonnades and Cryptic Command and Snapcaster Mage and now Jace, uh, if you want to play Islands, man, it is an investment. <laughs> so, right. you know, just one more thing. And, and like that is kind of one of the things that that makes me leery you know like they can always fix if this ends up being a problem they can always ban jace again and for us yeah. who yeah you know if we've got that objective just trying to solve the puzzle that is the modern format play the best deck we can at any given time like that's not a big deal to us but if you're someone who went ahead and bought all these blue cards or even just bought jaces uh and then gets them banned out from under you that's, you know, that's not a great experience. Yeah, and, you know, I, I definitely should recognize that card availability to me is not as big of an issue as I know it is to a lot of people. Like, the, the average Magic player, that's kind of a big deal, is that if they want to play these cards in tournaments, then they have to purchase these cards. You know, definitely definitely something to uh, to consider for, you know, considering how it's going to impact the, the average player. So I don't have a ton more to talk about about this uh, unbanning itself. I think that we hit all the points that uh, that I was thinking about, but... Yeah, the, the one thing that I do want to mention is uh, if the purpose of unbanning Jace is to give an incentive to, like, interactive mid-range to control level decks rather than hyper-linear decks, I, I think that has a really real risk of backfiring. And, you know, if, if it pushes out other reactive decks and forces people to try to play these highly linear decks um i think that that kind of goes completely against what sort of the stated or at least implied purpose of the blood braid and jace unban is uh and i think that that would kind of be a shame and i also like seeing the way the format has developed we kind of have a lot of interactive decks right now like the meme is always be doing something super proactive in modern and and you and I have both <laughs> yeah. mostly bought into that meme, but that did not stop Reed Duke from top eighting a pro tour with Abzan, and that did not stop Jerry from making the finals of a pro tour with Mardu Pyromancer. And uh, yeah, honestly, I think that you know modern has shifted a little bit away from that. You know, the decks that we've been seeing have a lot of success are you know blue white X control decks, black green mm -hmm. X mid range decks, lantern control. Um, you know, these, these decks are all very, very tier one right now. So yeah, it's, it's, yep. it is definitely important to, to recognize that. And, and I mean, ideally, you know, Jace is not too strong. Like this is modern Four mana is a lot of mana and, uh, just, you know, gives another option for these interactive mid range decks and is, is fine. And, and, and I don't think that's impossible. Like, like definitely don't take the things I've, I'm saying as like what I believe to be the gospel, like inevitable truth. But I, I am nervous that what we're doing is pulling levers on what is a healthy format. And like, like, do we really need to, to give medication to a, a format that's at 98% health to try to get it at 100% health? That seems dangerous to me overall. Yeah, agreed for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think that covers most of my thoughts. Read the bannings or unbannings, rather. But yeah. uh, and we will be able to keep a close eye on developments in the format because of their new competitive league 
Deckless publishing policy. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Why don't you why don't you go ahead and remind everybody what's happening for Yeah, so in instead of what they've been doing, which is like picking five deck lists at random that are at least ten cards different from each other each day, now a couple of times per week, they're gonna publish a 5-0 deck list basically from every archetype that managed to 5-0. Like as long as a deck that 5-0'd was 20 cards different from another deck, it, it will get published. So every time that I manage to 5-0 with Living End, either I or, <laughs> or somebody else will, will get on the list. <laughs> yeah, it, It's pretty cool, and it, it is a, a really awesome way of seeing the diversity of the format and, and seeing like the possibilities that are out there. Like, like Standard right now is super, super cool. I mean, uh, the... The kind of shame of it is that you look at standard and you realize that nobody is secretly 5-0-ing leagues with uh, merfolk or vampires right now. But, <laughs> you know, there yeah. are lots of different control decks, lots of different, you know, energy builds. There's, you know, like 40 distinct decks or something like that on Goldfish right now. And it, it really, like, helps get your wheels turning. It's it's definitely a, a brewer's dream, I think, to be able to see these. Uh, you know, it's not complete data like like it's never going to make jeff hoogland happy but wizards is never never going to make jeff hoogland happy um but it is it is a lot more information than we've had well it's it's kind of a double-edged sword right because it's on one hand more information but on the other hand it's definitely still going along with wizards policy of wizards doesn't want us to know which decks are having the highest win percentage right and that is something that as a spike that piece of information, which deck is having the highest win percentage, is kind of what I'm after more than anything else. Is that I want to know, okay, sure, you're throwing a bunch of decks at me, but which one's the best one is, is what it's kind of my job to figure out. And by doing what they're doing is they're kind of completely stripping that element away from the data that we're receiving. Because, you know, behind the scenes we might have, all right, well, there are 40 Tron decks that 5-0'd and... There were 20 burn decks that 5-0'd, but there were kind of like one of all of each of these. But the list that we're going to receive is just one of everything. Right. So right. that the data of, you know, what's A, most popular in a format, so what you can expect to face against more often, and B, uh, which decks are winning the most, either based on, you know, higher play rate or just overall higher win percentage. Those are data points that are just completely eliminated from the data that we're receiving, which for me kind of sucks no I, I i definitely hear you i don't think you really got that in the five the way they were doing it you know previously with the five lists either oh for sure yeah it's you know it's not it's not like we're moving backward uh, right like closer to or further away from that if anything i think it's further away from kind of what i want but you right. are correct in that you were going to be able to see a lot more lists and there aren't going to be any kind of like secret decks that kind of like slipped under the radar anymore. We're going to see your list if you brew something in 5-0 with it, which I think is probably good for diversity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, you know, if you've got some Adanto Vanguard deck or something like that, people get to see it and that is cool. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know what is, you know, from a, from a spiky perspective, from wanting to have the most information possible, like absolutely, yes, I... I because I want to win matches of Magic the Gathering, I want Wizards to give me all of the information that they possibly have. I, I think probably from a like metagame diversity and health perspective, it's probably the same thing. I think the more data we have, the more 
we would be able to brew and refine and come up with solutions to problems in the metagame. Like if, you know how in that ban announcement, the, the standard ban announcement, and they released their very detailed matchup win percentage, being able to see exactly like Teamer's win rate against Mono Red and seeing that Pummeler actually had a positive matchup against Teamer and, and, and stuff like that, like having that information, I think provides a tool to deck builders and players to help. I mean, maybe sometimes it would, you know, result in a faster development of a format towards being a, a team or well, one deck format where you can only play teamer. But I also feel like a lot of the times it would give deck builders and players the tools they need to to beat the boogeyman because you see what people are actually using to beat it and can can refine it from there. So maybe not even just from a spiky, like, get myself personally the highest win percentage possible, but maybe from a format health perspective, you know, I, th- I think more data is probably more valuable. And I, I think the wizard's philosophy here is, is a little bit, I don't know, maybe short-sighted, maybe just not as, as thoughtful as I would hope that they would be. Um, well, the, the fear I think that they have is that the mentality exists that is, where should I play in this tournament coming up? Oh, you should play the best deck. Um, yeah. If you're if you want to do well, you should play the the best deck, and then that and then everybody plays the best deck, and then the best deck puts up you know six out of eight of the top eight slots, right? That's that's the fear that Wizards is trying to um, circumvent, I think, because because that mentality definitely exists in a bunch of players is that they should play the best deck. But I think what Wizards wants to push is deck diversity. That's kind of like what sells well. To kind of like the newer players getting into the game and you know, and seeing if they can test their metal against a, a wide open field, right? If I'm correct in assessing that Wizards wants deck diversity over everything else, then I think that they're probably their new five O list format is the best that they can hope for, honestly. Because I think yeah. that it does incentivize diversity more than giving us all of the data, so that we can determine which one the best deck is and. and go from there see i and, and i i i think from a from a certain point of view that might be true it certainly simulates diversity because it's just a big old list of deck lists so you can point at that and say look right. you can 5-0 with a ham sandwich but it's not it's not true diversity because there are still underlying numbers that we're not looking at. right it's right. just kind of simulated as you said and i i think you know most of the time in most formats there doesn't have to be a best deck, and if you have the the as much information as possible, then that gives you tools to upend the best deck. And maybe in Teamer Standard that wouldn't have been possible, but you know the the fear is that the more data you have, the more you can aggregate down. Like if you could hook up a hundred supercomputers and just have them play matches of the current standard format against each other, then they would just eventually refine their decks down to create the perfect deck for the format but i think that in most standard formats and and most you know formats that we've had that's not actually possible because there is no like objectively best deck the format changes in response to what people are playing and what what they're what they're trying out uh and the more data we have the more the metagame can keep adjusting to what people are doing rather than coming to the perfect teamer deck at some point, you know, as long as you have the numbers and the data to identify how to beat teamer, then 
you know, that leads to metagame shifts and, and ultimately to diversity. But I mean, these are two perspectives on an issue that like probably can never really have a have a solution because it, it's just very difficult to to figure out wh- which one is is correct and probably it's shades of each one yeah but but it's it, it's kind of a fear of their own format like it, it's kind of an admission that in any standard if we give you guys enough data eventually you'll find the best deck and then standard will be that standard format will be dead and and I think that they maybe should just have more confidence in their product because I don't know that that is always going to happen. I, I I think that might actually happen, you know, kind of rarely. Although given the past two years, uh, maybe I'm just dead wrong about that. <laughs> I mean, it definitely has happened to a certain extent lately. But who knows if if this angle of attacking that is better or worse than you know maybe maybe play design needs to be different in some way or something else you know. Yeah, there, there are definitely multiple ways of tackling that problem. And for me personally, tackling the hiding the data that exists is frustrating. But, yes. um, <laughs> but you know, yep. uh, not really much I can do about it. Right. And, and the effect of it is kind of to and, and I mean, this is, you know, just an effect of practicing and being good at a game. Um, but it it's sort of. Like, I find that I have a way, way, way better understanding of the metagame after I've spent two afternoons grinding leagues. Yeah. Like, that, it, like every tournament that I've done that and then headed to a tournament, like, that tournament goes much better and I really, like, understand, like, what's likely to happen to me in the tournament much better. Um, and no amount of looking at, you know, tournament results or comp league results or anything like that is a substitute for just... And and it's not even just the playing games. Like, if I haven't been able to play, but I've been able to sit and watch, like, a stream for a couple of days in a row, like, that helps, like, pretty much exactly the same. Um, And it's kind of not great that that is our best way of getting an understanding of what the metagame looks like is by grinding through individual matches, because that's very slow. And it you know, kind of re- rewards even more than Magic already does the people who have the the time on their hands to dedicate to that particular sort of slog or grind or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely, if you're looking for, you know, metagame percentages or whatever, you can definitely do your own research and that just kind of involves playing a bunch of leagues and recording yep. what you've played against every time. You know, that'll, that'll give you an idea for kind of what exists in the metagame. If, you, if you're wanting, like, percentages of of decks in terms of popularity and everything yeah and and still it doesn't tell you what's winning you know right so it just just is going to tell you what exists yeah so yeah definitely kind of frustrating not having those numbers and i wonder you know if the philosophy will change over time like like to be fair this is still kind of uncharted territory like magic is 25 years old now which is obviously ancient for a trading card game but like 25 years to develop like an industry and a model of practice and stuff like that like there's lots of mistakes to be made and lots of things to learn and stuff so hopefully you know they're just open to trying new things and and we get a model that works at some point yeah yeah for sure any more thoughts on uh, on the new 5.0 stuff? No, not that much. Uh, you're playing in SCG Indy this weekend. Are you going to make it over there? Yeah, I'm going to Indianapolis this weekend. Awesome. And you'll never believe what I'm planning on playing that weekend. <laughs> Does it start with an H and end with a humans? 
Uh, it does not. Oh my goodness. No, okay, I might not actually. I might actually not believe this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. gonna be playing uh, Grishel Brand this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, I I might believe that because I did see you post to ask if you could borrow that deck from anybody. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit of a giveaway. Um, but yeah, dude, that's exciting. I, um, I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of back in the mindset of uh, let's play some crazy stuff and uh, see what sticks. I kind of you know, I, I did that a lot before humans, and humans was one of those decks you know that I that I played with and and it stuck. Uh, but I kind of want to get back in that mindset, especially since modern's changing now, and and I know that you know Indianapolis isn't going to be different, or it's it's going to be more of the old. But I just kind of wanted to get back in the mindset of. Play some crazy stuff and um, put the put the put the brewing boots back on, you know. Yeah, I mean this one's kind of a free roll, like dead format. Like right. just give it a shot and yeah. And I've I've been playing a lot of Grizzlebrand on on Magic Online and it has been a blast. So <laughs> that's um, good. I think it'd be fun either way. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, you're you're not going to be surprised by what I'm playing this weekend. I'm I'm headed to GP Leon. <laughs> I I tried I tried not to. Like I played Burn online, I played Pyromancer, but I I just kept running like the matchups that I've been playing against uh, like Living End is like weirdly well positioned right now. Um yeah. and like it's also kind of under the radar doing pretty well like i think in the modern challenge there were multiple living ends in the top 16 and just there's just a lot of mid-range decks and a lot of tron decks and i mean living end is not a great deck like i will be the first person to tell you that it is not like the highest power level deck (laughs) in the world but i'm i'm at a point where i especially recently I've, i've gotten a lot of reps in with the deck so i i'm playing as well with it as I ever have. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's good. And a lot of people, you know, fundamentally, you know, when I when I play against Grishulbrand for the first time, I, I messed up. Like, I made a couple of mistakes. Uh, a lot of times when people play against Living End, this is the first or second time they've ever played against Living End. Uh, and that's an advantage that I don't mind having. Um, yeah. And even online, where the, the quality of players is very, very high, I find... You know, blue decks just tapping mana on their turn, where if they didn't, I would never be able to beat them. And, uh, you know, people not really understanding what to do with their graveyard hate or how I can beat their graveyard hate. And and that gives me an edge that I, I, I wouldn't have if I'm playing a deck that I don't know as well and other people do know how to play against. And I've also had, like, kind of an insane win rate with this deck lately. So nice. I, there's just too many things going for it. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to go there and just instantly O3 and no. regret my life. But <laughs> <laughs> Dude, see, the, the the problem, the the like hellscape nightmare of playing Living End is when you lose round one. Um, and I do have one buy this time. Finally played enough magic to get a buy. Excellent. But uh, if I lose round one to something and then end up in the one loss bracket, and then that's the bracket where you just play against Burn all day long. And... <laughs> That's uh, that's not a tough really ask. No, it's really not where I want to be. But if I can avoid that happening, and I can just play against Tarmogoyf decks and Death Shadow decks and Karns all day long, then, uh, you not know, bad. we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Also, I've really fallen in love with Archfiend of Ifnir. Um, okay. So, I'm just a big fan of the card. It, like, gives you so much game against Affinity. 
that oh, yeah. it's very silly. Um, I've also just hardcasted against Eldrazi Tron after they've locked me out, and then I've like pr- like turned all of their five fives into two twos, and then they couldn't <laughs> could never win. That's uh, hilarious. So it's done some really good work that gives the deck some legs. So I'm excited to Fulminator Mage some people, and uh, hopefully it works out. Yeah, for sure. Well, good luck this weekend. Thank you. You as well. I hope you I hope you crush it and and uh, don't lose. Let's get let's get two top eights this weekend. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna uh, be having some fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be putting Grizzlebite into play and drawing as many cards as I possibly can. So, which is typically a lot. <laughs> it's usually a lot, man. That have one World Spine Worm and one Nourishing Shoal, and you can draw so many more cards. Yeah, it's typically another 14 <laughs> cards that you can draw. Oh my goodness! That's also, so, so many cards. <laughs> so many cards. I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle these cards. The other reason that I like Living End is the graveyard hate that you get to play is like guilt-free ley lines of the void. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very down for that right now. <laughs> True. Fair. All right, man. I think that wraps it up for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. I think that's good. Good talks about the the unbannings. I think we had some unique unique takes on it. Um, yeah, I hope so. so. It's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot over the past couple of days. Yeah, it's, and, and... it's definitely been a been a hot 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 topic for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Cool. Well, yeah. Good luck this weekend. Thanks to everybody for listening to the show. If you want to catch us, uh, you can come find me personally at GP Leon. If you're going to be there, find Collins at SCG Indie. I'll be there. If you want to find us on the internet, uh, you can find me at at MTG underscore Grindcast on Twitter, and you can find Collins at Collins Mullen on Twitter. So if you guys are playing in any tournaments this weekend, best of luck. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, peace.